0: Good morning, everybody. If you will, I invite you to go to Jeremiah chapter 29 this morning. Jeremiah chapter 29, as we continue in our series that we have entitled This Incredible Opportunity. And the idea behind this series is uh, with every crisis like the one we find ourselves in today, there are always dangers and there are Opportunities, and though we are well aware of the dangers that are now presented to us, we want to spend time over the next six to seven weeks to just talk about what we believe are the specific, unique opportunities that God is presenting to you and to me during this season. And before we dive into the scriptures today, I just want to say uh, welcome to everyone who is watching. Um, if this is your first time with us, or if you do not have a church home, I want you to know my name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here, and on behalf of the pastors and the members of our church, we're so glad that you chose to be with us this morning. And I would encourage you uh, to to click on that connect link. I think we can drop that maybe in the comments right now uh, to fill some information about you and your family. And that's just a way for us to pray for you and to know how to serve you to the best of our ability. With that being said, Jeremiah chapter 29, Jeremiah 29, we're going to start in verse four and we will read down through verse 13. This is what the Lord Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city, which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets or the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed from Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Let's pray together one more time and then we'll dive into the text. Father, I thank you so much for everyone who is watching now online. We are all, whether we realize it or not, seeking after you. We are seeking after you and our work. We are seeking after you and our pleasure, we are seeking after you and our parenting, we are seeking after you and in our Netflix and our entertainment and our hobbies and working out and all of these different things, God ultimately we realize today that we cannot be satisfied, that we cannot be fulfilled apart from you. And so I pray in light of that right now that through this technology and through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you will take this word, that you will drive it into our hearts and you'll use it to draw us closer into you so we can experience the life you created us to experience. And it's in Jesus's name that I pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, as of late, it seems like everybody is talking about the new normal. Um, Listen to a press conference with the president or the governor of Arkansas. They'll use this phrase, the new normal. Uh, Get on social media, log on to Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, and you'll see people talking about the new normal. Just this last week, I was talking to some members in our church. I hadn't talked to them in a while, and I said, how are you doing? And they both said, we're doing pretty good, just trying to adjust to the new normal, and the idea behind this new normal is the reality that life as we know it has changed. Uh, before COVID-19, I think we would all agree our lives were not perfect. But there was a pattern. Uh, there was this element to our life where we had a rhythm that was familiar and comfortable and predictable. We had our job over there. We had sporting events over here. Church looked like that. Uh, we had, you know, school that looked like this. And so everything somewhat felt very comfortable, very familiar. But then from out of nowhere, Right? Because a little microbe swept through our country, everything began to change. And life as we know it, according to the experts, has not changed for just a few weeks, but we are being told really that things are changed for the months and even years to come. And as a result today, we find ourselves trying to navigate life in this new normal. And what I submit to you this morning is that it is actually in the new normal, in this space where we have moved from the familiar to the foreign, that we actually have an opportunity to thrive in exile. Put another way, we have an opportunity in this season where we have been uprooted from the familiar to actually establish deep roots that will allow us to flourish, not only in this season, but in the season to come. And so to discover how to do this well, I want to look this morning in Jeremiah chapter 29. And just to set the context for you, the people of Israel now find themselves living as exiles in a place they do not want to be. Because of their own sin and their rebellion, God, out of his judgment, has used the Babylonian empire as his servant to sweep into Jerusalem, to attack them, defeat them, and then pull them away from Jerusalem, away from their homeland, and into the wicked pagan city. Of Babylon. And so by the time we come to Jeremiah 29, the people of Israel, again, they've gone from familiar to foreign. They're living as these exiles in a strange land. They have been uprooted from their everyday, ordinary, normal lives. And therefore, the question they are now asking is the question many of us are asking today. And it's this question When is my life going to go back to normal? I don't know about you but I am ready for some normalcy in the picney household. Like I am ready for a normal schedule. Uh, I am ready for Sunday mornings to look normal again, for us to actually have a building that's filled with people. And on Sunday nights, rather than meeting with my missional community online, to have them in my home and eating food around my table, I'm ready to go on date nights with my wife again. Like, I, I'm ready for baseball season. I don't even have cable. I can't even watch baseball, but I'm ready for it to be back because just having it back feels normal. And I'm guessing this morning that I am not alone in my longing for normalcy. I'm guessing that for many of you, you would give anything right now just to go back to the way things were. Just get a little bit of normal. Some of you would give anything to go back to sitting beside that really annoying person at work. Some of you'd give anything to just be able to go to the grocery store and and fight the crowds without wearing a mask or worrying about is the toilet paper, the supplies I need for my groceries actually going to be there. I know for some of you moms, right, you are longing for your kids to go back to normal school again. Maybe even some of you moms are, are making a promise to God and you're saying, God, I promise you I will never complain about who my kids have as a teacher again as long as it is not me. And so for many of us, right, we because our lives have been disrupted and displaced, we long for normal. We long for things to go back the way it was before the crisis. And this is exactly where we find the people of Israel in Jeremiah 29. Because they have been uprooted from their everyday, ordinary lives, because they have gone from the familiar to the foreign, they are wondering, when can I get back to normal? And it's in this place that God, through the prophet Jeremiah, sends a word today, not only to the people of Israel, but to you and to me. And what God wants you to see today and what God wants me to see is that it's actually in this place of exile, in this place of abnormality, of of the unfamiliar. God does not simply want us to survive, but he wants us to thrive. God in this season, he doesn't simply want us to maintain, but he wants us to maximize and to grow and to flourish like never before. And in order for this to happen, there are four things that we have to do that we see in our text today. The first thing is this, is that if we want to thrive in exile, we have to be present. Secondly, we have to embrace a servant posture. Third, we have to cultivate a heart of prayer. And fourth, we need to learn to trust in God's promises. I will say a short word on each, draw some implications, and then we'll be done today. But first, if you want to learn how to not just survive, but thrive, to flourish in this place of exile, in this place we didn't ask to be, the first thing you have to do is you have to learn how to be present where you have been planted. Again, in verse four, it says, this is what the Lord almighty, the God of Israel says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease. Can you just imagine for a moment being in Israel and hearing Jeremiah preach this message to you? I mean, keep in mind, again, this is a message that is being delivered to people who are living in exile, to people who are living as slaves in Babylon, people who can no longer worship together in the temple, right? These are a people who no longer can experience the freedom and the comfort and the pleasure they once experienced. And it's in this place, God comes to them and he says, I want you to stop grumbling. I want you to stop complaining and I want you to start building. Rather than obsessing over getting back to Jerusalem, back to normal, rather than sitting around and just daydreaming about the way things used to be back in the day, God says, if you want to thrive, if you want to flourish, if you want to grow, you need to unpack your bags and settle in. Rather than thinking about your exit strategy, you need to learn how to be present where you are planted. I remember back in 2007, whenever I moved to Louisville, Kentucky, Louisville was a foreign land to me. I didn't know anybody in Louisville. And I found myself living in the third floor at Manly Hall in a little dorm room that was a five by 10. And on my my hall, there were 18 guys, 16 of the 18 were from a totally different country. And so secondary language was, was English. We all had these community showers. We had like two or three toilets that we were sharing. And so as a germaphobe who grew up in a home uh, where I had three meals cooked for me and all my laundry done, you could imagine like this was a difficult place for me to be. And therefore, as a result, I would constantly find myself thinking about going back to the way things were. And as soon as I'd get an opportunity to leave and go back, I would go back. And as a result, my grades would begin to drop. Um, I had a hard time developing deep relationships with others. And not only that, I was really was, was not in a good job of plugging into a local church, which was kind of bizarre because I was being trained to be a pastor of a local church, but I wasn't even connected in one. And I remember as in this season, God came to me and he said, Jared, it's time for you to unpack your bags. It's time for you to settle in because there are things that I want to do in you and through you that I can only do in this unique season. And it was only whenever I finally settled down that just about three or four months later, God came to me with the vision to plant a church in Paragold, Arkansas. But we we weren't able to experience fruit in this season until I was able to establish roots in that season. And you see, just as God was calling me to unpack my bags in Louisville, Kentucky, and just as God right here in Jeremiah 29 is, is calling the people of Israel to unpack their bags in Babylon, God is calling you and me today to unpack our bags in this season that we find ourselves in. And therefore, because that is true, the question I just want you to ask yourself today is, what would it look like for me to unpack my bags in this season? What does it look like for me to settle in, to be present where I have been planted so that I can establish deep roots that allow me to flourish, not just in this season, but in seasons to come? Maybe for some of you to unpack your bags means to establish healthier relationships, Maybe for some of you, you need to use this extended time that you have to invest in your marriage or to make these, these spiritual deposits in the lives of your children. Maybe for some of you, to unpack your bags in this season means to plug into a healthy church. I got an email from a lady just last week that said, in this season, God has shown her how more than ever she needs the church. And even though she has not been plugged into a church over the last five, six years, she now wants to be plugged in. And maybe that's where some of you are this morning. Maybe for others to unpack your bags in this season means to adopt a rule of life like we posted on our website. Maybe we can even drop in the links right now uh, in the comment section so that you can click on a look at that. Or maybe for some of you uh, to unpack your bags means to settle into some healthier rhythms or to realign your priorities. I know, listen, I get it. Many of us want to go back to normal. But you need to realize today, the normal that oftentimes we fantasize was not all that. Some of you were running around, before this whole COVID-19 thing, you were running around like chickens with your heads cut off. Your kids were setting your schedule and your budget. Some of you, if you can be honest, and I'm not trying to throw shame and, and guilt at you, but for some of you, you spent more time, money, and energy on your soccer than your Savior. And so for some of you, what you call normal, God calls broken, And today what God wants to do, and in this season, is he wants to bring healing to you. God wants you to reset and realign your life around him so that more than ever you can grow and flourish. And so whatever it looks like for you, in order for us to really thrive as exiles in this season, we have to be present. We have to unpack our bags, settle in, and redeem the time that has been placed before us. Secondly, And I'll move a little bit quicker going forward. But if you want to thrive in exile, not only do we need to flourish in this foreign land, or if we want to uh, flourish in this foreign land, not only do we need to learn how to be present where we have been planted, but we also need to learn how to embrace a servant posture. In verse 7, God says this again to the people of Israel who are in exile. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city. And by the way, the city he's talking about is Babylon. So he's talking about their enemies, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, listen to this, you too will prosper. Notice that according to God, if you want to flourish, if you want to prosper, you have to seek the peace and prosperity of others. Put another way, if you want to thrive in exile, rather than simply focusing on yourself, you have to begin to focus on others. You have to learn what it means to embrace a servant posture, to, to follow the example of Christ himself who came into this world not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. I think of Jesus' words in Acts 20 where he says, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. The word that Jesus uses there for blessed is the Greek word makarios, which literally means to flourish or to be happy. In light of that, what Jesus is saying to you and me today is, listen, if you want to be happy, if you want to grow, if you want to flourish, rather than, than walking into a room and saying, how much can I get? You need to begin to ask the question, how much can I give? Rather than seeking to be a consumer, you need to be a contributor. You need to embrace a servant posture. And then, according to the scriptures and according to God right here in Jeremiah 29, then and only then will you be blessed, will you be happy and flourish. You know, I think about Bill Fisher, who is an 84-year-old man who attends our Sunday uh, gathering and has become like a mentor to me. And the first time I met with Bill, I asked him, hey, looking back on your life, um, what would you say has made you happiest? What has been most fulfilling to you? And without hesitation, he said, oh, definitely, it's been uh, serving and helping other people. And he went on to tell me about how when he was a bank president, he told those who worked underneath him um, that, hey, I exist to help you get to where you want to go. And so even if you want to replace me as the president of the bank, I'll help you get there. And as a result, he said that in his time as a bank president, he helped 10 other men and women go on to become presidents of other banks. And he said in so many words that it was when I helped others prosper that I also begin to prosper. I think about Logan Keener, who is here even right now. And ever since COVID-19, Logan has been putting in probably 15 to 20 hours a week, just coming and using his extra time to serve to make sure like this service that you're watching right now can get online. And what's amazing to me about that is Logan doesn't get a paycheck. Um, He hasn't been getting his face on camera or his name in the paper. And yet, in spite of all that, what he told me in his own words this past week is he said, I have found so much fulfillment and satisfaction in this season by using my gift to serve others. How is that possible? Because again, when you embrace a servant posture, when you seek the peace and prosperity of others, God causes you to prosper in the process. And so with that being said, let me just ask you, what posture do you find yourself in in this season? I want to encourage you, please don't let the devil ruin the season that God has placed you in. Rather than sitting in your comfort zone and hoarding all the toilet paper Look for ways to serve others, whether it be picking up groceries or making masks or serving on our care team or walking across the street and connecting with your neighbors, of course, from, you know, six feet, you know, social distancing and all that or, or writing cards or sharing the gospel or simply listen to this, showing up for your Zoom call. And as awkward and weird as it is, to not show up and be like, this better be good for me, but show up and say, how can I be a blessing to these people? God, is there an encouraging word you want me to give to somebody else who's probably struggling this week? Whatever it may be, look for ways to embrace a servant posture. And when you do, know that you will thrive even in the midst of exile. Third, I would say, if you want to thrive in the midst of exile, uh, you need to cultivate a heart of prayer. You need to cultivate a heart of prayer. Verse 7, again, we see where God says, Seek the uh, peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. And look at this. Pray to the Lord for it. Because again, if it prospers, you will prosper. Then he goes on in verse 12, and God says, If you call on me, if you come and you pray to me, I will listen to you. There's a lot that could be said on this, but plain and simple, if you want to flourish, If you want to prosper, you have to cultivate a heart of prayer. You have to come to a place where you pray for our economy. You pray for our local businesses. You pray for the safety of medical workers. You pray for for leaders who have to make decisions. You pray for your family. You pray for your friends. You pray for your neighbors. You pray for yourself. And you know that when you pray, that you will begin to prosper. You will establish deeper spiritual roots that will allow you to flourish in this season and the season to come. John Stark, in his book, The Possibility of Prayer... He talks about the star called the Crab Nebula that exploded over 1,000 years ago. And if you were to look at the star through a telescope, you would see very little change. In, it. in fact, if you looked at a photograph of the Crab Nebula 15 years ago versus this year, it would look like it hasn't changed at all. However, despite the fact that you would see little difference in it with the naked eye, according to astronomers, they tell us that the star has been expanding, listen to this, at a rate of 70 million miles a day for over the past millennium. Think about how crazy that is. Think about how crazy it is that we live in a universe that is so large and so vast that something can increase in a size by over a billion miles wide, and yet to the naked eye, it goes completely unnoticed. John Stark, in his book, in light of that, he goes on and he asks this very arresting question. Who is this God of exploding stars, and what have we to do with him? Who is this God of exploding stars, and what have we to do with him? A lot of that I would ask you, what do you really have to do with the God of exploding stars? As you think about your personal prayer life, as you think about how excited you get for things like online prayer meetings and joining with others and pressing into the presence of God, when you think about how often you pray, honestly, what have you to do with this God of exploding stars? The truth is, guys, the God who spoke the universe into existence has gone to an incredible length in order to give you access into his presence. He tells us in verse 12 that if we pray to him, he'll listen. In verse 13, he says, if we will seek him, we will find him. Could it be that the reason some of you right now are shriveling up and withering is because you're spending so much time seeking someone or something else more than you're seeking the God of exploding stars. If you want to thrive in exile, we must learn not only how to be present. Secondly, we must learn how to embrace a servant posture. Third, we must cultivate a heart of prayer. And then lastly, we must trust in the promises and the plans of God. In verse 8 through 11, we read the following. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, by the way, the prophets, the false prophets, were telling Israel, hey, this whole exile thing, you'll be over in two years and back to Jerusalem. God says, actually, it's going to be more like 70. It's going to last a lot longer than you think. God says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and I will fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and not a future. Keep in mind, this promise God makes to Israel is not made to them when they're on a picnic. It's not made to them when they're on vacation at Disneyland and they're on top of the mountain. and Everything is going well. But the promise God makes to Israel here is when they're in exile. He makes a promise to them, listen, when they're in a nationwide crisis. And just as God made this declaration to to Israel in the middle of their crisis, I believe he makes the same declaration to you and me today in the middle of our crisis. In the middle of our exhaustion, in the middle of our frustration and our fear and our financial troubles and question, I believe that God is saying to you and to me today, listen, I know the plans I have for you. And the plans that I have for you are not to harm you, but to prosper you. My plans for you are not to tear you down, but to build you up, to give you a future and hope. And I know for some of you, maybe you're listening, you're like, oh, hang on now, wait a minute, pastor. Like, this is a promise to Israel. This is a promise to a specific people in a specific place in a specific time. And though you're right, this is a promise that originally was made to Israel. What Paul tells us in the book of Corinthians is that in Christ, all the promises of God are yes and amen. Meaning that if you are in Christ Jesus, if you have trusted in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you get to claim this promise for yourself. Which means if you've decided to follow Jesus, God promises you today, he promises you today well-being and not disaster. He promises you abundant life. He promises you a future and a hope. He promises you healing and deliverance. He promises you living water that will quench the thirst that you have in your soul. And therefore, because that is true, Even if you feel like right now your life is heading for a disaster, if you are trusting in Jesus, your future is better and brighter than you could ever imagine. You know, I was playing Nintendo with my son this past week, and I was thinking as I played with him how when I was eight years old and I was playing Nintendo for the first time, I could have never dreamed there was coming a day where there'd be better graphics than Tecmo Bowl. Just look at that on the screen, would you? Look at that shot. You see Bo Jackson out there in the lead. You could not beat Bo Jackson. Did you ever play with Bo Jackson, Robert? Okay, yeah, man. I mean, that was a, it was like cheating. You tell your friends, don't, don't, you can't use the Los Angeles Raiders because Bo Jackson will just run away. But I mean, look at those graphics. When I was eight years old, I played that game and I honestly thought, it don't get any better than this. It, there's no way it'll ever get better. I could not imagine a video game of better graphics than Tecmo Uh I couldn't imagine a world where if I wanted to listen to music, I didn't have to go to Walmart and buy a CD. I would have never thought there would come a day where I could listen to any song, anytime, anywhere with just the click of a button. Never would have thought whenever I was a kid there was a future where if I wanted to watch a movie I didn't have to go to Hollywood Video or Parker Video or West Coast Video. You remember those days like you walk into store and you pray to God they had the one movie that you were longing to watch. And then you pray even harder, you don't have late fees. Never thought there'd be a day coming where you just could stream any movie you wanted from the comfort of your own home. But yet, listen... That's the reality we're now living in. Like, that is the future we are living in. And the reason I bring that up is just, please hear me this morning. Just because you can't imagine how good your future is if you will trust in Jesus, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And therefore, the call today is to trust God. To lean not into your own understanding, but to lean onto him. I think of that great line from Joshua 24, 15 where it says, Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Just as God has fulfilled all of his promises for Israel, he will fulfill his promises for you and me. And if you're like, well, how can I trust this God? I've been let down so many times, Jared. How do I know that he will fulfill his promise? The reason you can know is because 2,000 years ago, God, the Father, in order to fulfill his greatest promise, sent his son Jesus to this earth to come and take on the greatest pandemic this world had ever known. The pandemic of sin and death that started with Adam and Eve and then spread to every single human being. The Bible tells us that at the cross, when Jesus went, he took on your pandemic and my pandemic of sin. He absorbed it into himself. He went and he died on the cross so that we could be forgiven. And then he rose from the dead so that now, no matter who you are or where you come from, if you'll trust in Jesus You can receive the healing and the hope that you desperately need. And a lot of that, I would just want to say this. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, I pray that today will be the day of salvation for you. I pray that today that you would just go to him as you are in your heart and say, Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that even on my best days, even with all my good works, that it doesn't measure up to to your holy and righteous record. And therefore, I'm I'm deserving of hell. But God, I recognize today that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to come and to die in my place, to take on the pandemic of sin, death, and hell, so that I can be healed, so that I can have a relationship with you. And if you pray that prayer today, if you go to Jesus and you trust him as your Lord and Savior, please email me, jared at crossingparagord.com. I would love to personally pray for you and help you process next steps. With that being said, I want to pray over each of us. The band will come forward and then we will be done today. Father, I thank you so much for your sovereign grace, your goodness, your care in our life. I thank you that you are a God who makes and keeps promises. Every promise that you have made, you have either fulfilled or you're in the process of fulfilling right now. I pray for each person who is watching right now that we would be a people who are able to just seize the moment to be present where you have planted us. I pray that, God, that we would be a people who, who, who take on a servant posture, that we would take on the mindset of you, Jesus, who came and laid down your very life for us. I pray that we would cultivate a heart of prayer, that we would see just how amazing it is to be able to be in your presence. And we would trust that you hear us and you love us and you care for us. And, God, I pray that we would cling to all of your promises and, as a result, that as a church and as a people, we would grow and we would flourish and we would produce so much fruit in the seasons to come that people would taste and see just how good you really are. And it's in Christ's name that I pray and as He sings, Amen.